So there's an unexpected question that comes up often. I mean, it comes up a lot when Rachel and I travel, we get to meet new people, and and we just absolutely love meeting other leaders, whether it's pastors, assistant pastors, associate pastors, youth pastors, um, music ministers, you name it. We just love getting to meet other leaders and learning from them. But there's a question that I get a lot, and that is, how do you create the curriculum and the content that you teach every week? And this question comes up because of the podcast, but also because um, I teach a youth class twice a week. That's two lessons every single week that I'm preparing for. And where does that come from? And so a few weeks ago, Rachel and I were in Iowa for their Midwest Youth Convention and we got to do a breakout session on this topic with leaders and we so enjoyed unpacking it and the question has come up so much that I'm going to devote a whole episode to it on the podcast today. Now it's going to be noteworthy if you are a leader of any kind, maybe you're aspiring to be a leader or you want to have a campus ministry or a P7 club or or, or maybe you're a youth pastor and you are teaching on a weekly basis. Maybe you teach once a month in your class, whatever ministry it is. Maybe it's hyphen ministry, you name it. This episode is for you today. Today we're going to be talking about whales versus wells. It's going to be a great episode. Let's go. Do you ever struggle with burnout from teaching over and over and over and over again? I mean, of course, you love the Word of God and it's, it's deep within your heart and, and you believe in this and you want to invest in others. I'm talking to any leader right now. Of course, you have experienced burnout before. So have I. And today we're going to be talking about how to avoid burnout and doing so by creating curriculum, the importance of using it, and and having somewhat of a roadmap when you sit down to get ready to to prepare to invest into others, whether it's a, a Bible study you're teaching or a youth class that you teach, or maybe you're a pastor of a church of a thousand plus people. It applies to anybody that wants to invest in others and has to prepare on a consistent basis to do so. So Psalm 119 says, it's Psalm 119, 105. It says, thy word is a lamp 
unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Oil is something that we have a lot of nowadays. It's it's very valuable and it's useful to our society. Planes could not fly without oil. Cars could not drive. And you can buy it practically anywhere you go now. However, oil was not always so accessible. In the early 1800s, they would push their ships out into the deep waters and literally hunt for whales for years at a time. Now, is it just me or in the society we live in, is that a crazy thought that people literally got in rowboats with harpoons and spears and went and chased whales? Why in the world would they do this? Well, the reason they would hunt for these whales was for many reasons, but one of the most vital reasons was whale oil. They would kill the whale and use the whale oil for burning lamps and different purposes. The oil brought light into their world, and they would go to extreme measures to obtain the oil. People died trying to spear whales. That's how desperate they were. These were the extreme measures that they were forced to take until the Pennsylvania oil rush of 1859 when they discovered that oil could come from the ground. They had been standing on it this whole time. You see, once they found out where the source came from, whale chasers became well diggers. Sometimes as leaders, we can find ourselves chasing whales, especially when looking for what to teach our students. We've all been there, right? Burnout happens when you're teaching all the time. That For, for some of you, once a week, you, you laugh at that because you're teaching two, three times a week. And can we just be real for a moment and maybe admit that we've more than likely all been to a point where we <laughs> Google searched, what do I teach this week? And we prayed we'd find an answer in our search engines. Sometimes it's easy to chase whales for content and material after working all day and trying to be a mother or father, a good husband or wife. All the pressures that life brings and then at the end of a long day, you sit down and you look at a blank Word document, or if you're like me, a pages document, and you don't know what to type because you're tired and you're burnt out and you're exhausted. But can I help you today? Sometimes it's easy to chase whales for content and material when we forget where our source and our power comes from. God has not called us to be whale chasers. He's called us to be well diggers. So can I remind a leader today that everything that we teach should come 
from the well rather than the whale. It was John 4 and 14 that says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It was Psalm 49 and 3. This is the New King James Version. It says, My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. There's a famous quote that says, Words are free. It's how you use them that may cost you. The words that you speak to your students, whatever the case may be, whether it's a youth group or a church or a Bible study, campus ministry, P7 club, you name it, it will have a lifelong impact on their hearts and their minds. Now, sometimes it's not going to feel that way. Sometimes it's going to feel like, like as a, you know, I'm a youth pastor, so let me just speak from where I'm at. Sometimes it feels like they're not even listening, but they are listening. And, and you will find that when you draw from the well, it, it makes a lifelong impact on their hearts and their minds. And you, you want to use these words carefully, and you also want to make sure that you drew them from the right source. Can, can I ask you today, are your words from the well or from the whale? There's importance in your words. I, I want to talk about the importance of your words and, and, and maybe your study plan, your curriculum. But before we jump into some practical application, I just want to remind you that in Acts 16 and 25, it says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Do you remember the scripture where suddenly there's a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed? Well, Paul and Silas were able to break something for those within earshot of their voice. And I I know it feels like your students aren't listening and I know it feels like your words aren't making a difference and I know it feels like they are prisoners of self-harm and depression, addiction, apathy, and sin. But they can hear you. My friends, they are listening. And I know you don't hear them singing along, and they may not have your chain-breaking praise yet, but they're listening. Your words make a difference. At camp a couple years ago, there's a a young man that was there at the Georgia District Youth Camp. And man, it was just, it felt like the whole week he was completely tuned out, caused a lot of trouble. We had to have multiple meetings with him. And we almost had to send him home. And on the very last night of camp, somebody came up and they found me in the altar and they asked me to come pray for someone who was seeking the Holy Ghost. And I walked to the back of the altar and there he stood. That student that seemed like he'd been tuned out all week, that he wasn't hearing anything that we were saying, and he was weeping. And we prayed him through to the Holy Ghost that night. It felt like we weren't reaching him, but God had been dealing with him all week. 
Every lesson, every breakout session, every song, every sermon was working on his heart and preparing him for God's spirit. Okay, so for the sake of today's illustration, I want to help you avoid some whales that people chase when creating material to teach students. We'll call them relevance whales today. These are whales that some leaders chase in a never-ending attempt to be relevant and cutting edge. Okay, so here are three whales that you want to avoid chasing when you're preparing to lead and to teach. Number one, pop culture is a whale. Don't create content based off of pop culture. This will limit its relevancy and instantly date your material and limit it from being used in the future. One way that you can eliminate burnout is by saving, uh, you know, you spend hours on your notes, save those notes in a file in a Dropbox folder, and a year from now, you can reteach a lot of that material. You can go back, edit it, pray over it again. You know, the Word of God is sharp, quick. If it was worth uh, teaching the first time, it's worth teaching it again. And so... um, when you chase the whale of pop culture, you limit your relevancy to your class. It's like when that song came out, and, and please know my heart here. I'm not dissing on any leaders here. Maybe you did this as well, but I'm just trying to give you an example for practical application. You know, on the Noteworthy Podcast, we are all about some practical application. And so, so like when that song came out on YouTube, what does the fox say? All right, that annoying song that everybody referenced for like six months and it was took over the world. What what does the fox say? Well, every youth pastor in America that next Sunday taught, What does the fox say? And they they tried (laughs) right, they they tried to tie in, right, and, and get this. It was relevant. Okay, so Here's the problem with that approach. That's a whale that we chase because instead of drawing from the well, which is the word of God, you drew from the culture. So now you have to get the word to back up the whale. Oh my goodness. Somebody needs to hear me right now. You know you're chasing a whale when you need to go find some word to back up what you're saying. What you're saying should have been drawn from the well. And then you go get your illustrations and your examples, visuals to back up what you have already drawn from the well. And a lot of times we get that backwards and we get this cool thought or this idea and then we're like desperately trying to find scripture that might go along with that. That is a well, my friend. Don't chase it. 
because three months later, nobody cares what the fox says. And you've just lost your impact in that lesson. That's just my opinion. Take it or leave it. Okay, so secondly, comparison is a whale. Let me explain. You don't have to teach and preach like somebody else. You just be you. I learned this lesson, I would say the hard way, when when I became a youth pastor because youth pastors are supposed to be cool, right? And 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 social and and they know everything about sports and all the latest teams and the scores and and, and they're just cutting edge. Well, I I hate to break it to you, but uh, I mean I, I I'm pretty lame in the overall <laughs> scheme of things. Like I, like I, I I don't I'm not good at sports. I, I I'm not cutting edge. I don't I don't know the latest trends, and so. I couldn't approach being a youth pastor by comparing myself to everybody else. And guess what? In my attempt to be relevant, I disconnected myself from my students because authenticity always means more than when you try to put something artificial in front of them. It doesn't smell the same. It doesn't look the same doesn't feel the same to them. Just be you. You, you. you can be yourself. God called you to be their leader. He called you to teach that class. He, he called you to preach that message. He called you to teach that lesson. He called you to do it, not somebody else. So you don't have to step into somebody else's personality to accomplish what he's called you to do. Number three, personal preference and opinion is a whale. Let's stick to the word of God in our content. We should not be getting up and teaching in pulpits or classes, whatever. Maybe it's not a pulpit. You know what I'm saying here. Personal preference and opinion will not get people to heaven. And you will experience burnout very quickly. And you will also be burned by others very quickly. If you think that your personal opinion and preference is the most important thing for you to talk about. In, in my opinion, I don't really feel like politics is something we should be mentioning in our classrooms and talking about. You know, we shouldn't be talking about uh, things of that nature because you instantly cause division within your classroom and, and personal preference gets in the way of what God is really wanting to say to your students. Okay, so we've talked about three whales, but let's talk about some wells, some wells that you can draw from. And and these wells won't let you down. You can always take the vessel 
go to these wells, and you will always have a river to draw from when you go to these wells. Number one, personal devotion and daily walk with God is a well. So everything that you speak, everything that you say and invest into other people, it should come from the well of personal devotion and your personal relationship with God. Nothing will change your ministry more than speaking from the overflow. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Speaking from the overflow of that well will help you avoid burnout. And it'll also help you speak what God has to say to the church rather than just what you have to say. Number two, authenticity and sincerity is a well. Like when you're real with people, that that's a well you can always go back to. Like, hey, can we just be real right now? Can we just be honest with ourselves and with God? You know, if you have a testimony, you, you can share that testimony. You should talk about it. If if God pulled you out of sin, pulled you out of darkness, that's an instant connect with your class and you should be able to be real with them. One of the things I had to learn early on was that trying to pretend that I was perfect was a divide between me and the people I was trying to reach. It wasn't until I could be real and authentic that I could reach. Realness gives us a reach. Number three, holiness. Holiness is not outdated. It's not something that doesn't matter. You should teach inward and outward holiness. And a lot of leaders get upset when people aren't living in outward holiness. And the first question I'll ask them is, well, have you taught on it? Have you defined the lines? Do you have guidelines? Have you explained why you dress like you dress and why you talk like you talk, why you act like you act? This is a well that you can draw from. And in my experience, anytime you start teaching on holiness, people start getting the Holy Ghost. I mean, something happens. Revival breaks out. It may feel like, you know, you're teaching on something that is going to make people fall asleep. Trust me, that is a lie from the enemy. Your students are ready and waiting for you to define these lines for them. Don't be afraid to do so. Number four, the Bible, the Word of God. This is, this is a well. All, everything should come from this well. Actually, I've failed you by making this point number four because this, this should be point number one when it comes to wells. Everything that you do should come from this well, from the Word of God. Number five, faithfulness and buy-in to the church. When you teach on faithfulness and buy-in to the church, this is a well for your students. Help them get involved and teach buy-in. You know, our culture likes to focus on church hurt, but we really need some church help. We need some people that will have buy-in and be faithful to the house of God. 
So some practical application here, just to finish this out, um, for creating content curriculum, your lessons, your study plan. Apostolics are very good at inspiration, but we're not great at application. In a very confused and distorted world, people need clear teaching with practical application that they can actually take home and live out. You know, sometimes as apostolics, when we preach, sometimes it almost feels like we're preaching in this language and in this code that only apostolics can understand. And I think we have to be careful with that. You know, like, there's people, hopefully, under the sound of your voice that don't understand what you mean when you say fire's falling on you right now. Well, well, to the dude that just walked in and has never been to church, what what are you even talking about, right? You need to be able to break, sure, as an apostolic, you're like, we're talking about the Holy Ghost fire, right? But what about that, what about that person in your class that doesn't know about Holy Ghost fire? You know, to them, fire is something that uh, you put out with water. They don't understand what you're trying to say. So you have to be willing to break things down and teach clearly. Not everything is black and white, but anything that can be defined should be defined. Brother Joe Campitella is a mentor of mine, and he told me one time, he said, Nathan, always preach the gospel as if they've never heard it before. And that changed my ministry. Outward holiness, for example, should always be defined in love and with explanation in your teaching materials. Here are some practical tips when creating curriculum, creating your lesson. When you sit down, you look at that blank page. Here's what will help you. The Word of God is relevant and applicable to every culture and every person. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So number one, know your audience. As a leader, you should always be listening, watching, praying, and fasting for for your students. When you pray and seek God, he will show you what you need to say. Sometimes God will show you what's needed by exposing you to their needs, their struggles, and their pitfalls. Speak to that with confidence and prepare accordingly. Secondly, know your roadmap. Know where you are going in your teaching series to make sure you don't cover too much material at one time. Retention goes on vacation when we try to cover too much material at one time. It's okay to set time limits and know how long you are going to teach. I do this every once in a while in my class, and my students love it because it gives them hope. And I only do it every once in a while, but if I have a shorter lesson or if I know where I'm going, I'll look at at one of my students and say, hey, you, pull out the timer on your phone, start it for 15 minutes. When that 15-minute timer is done, I'm done teaching. And you have instantly captivated the class. 
and nobody's watching the clock because they know that that timer is going and they have hope because they know you're only going to speak for 15 minutes. Now, I know you can't always do that, but you should try it just one time in your class. It's going to be the most receptive 15 minutes of teaching you've ever experienced. Number three, make your notes and your slides shareable. This is just a personal preference, but when I teach on topics that I consider to be Bible studies, like holiness, baptism in Jesus' name, the Holy Ghost, things like that, I like to create my notes in a PDF doc and make my slides in a PNG format so that I can offer to share it with students so that they can teach Bible studies to their friends and their family. I also like to create my teaching slides in an Instagram story format so that they can have a digital postable version of the Bible study on their phone. And a lot of times I'll offer to share that at the end of class. Number four, use attention grabbers. I have found slides and scriptures on a screen to be very helpful when I teach when trying to keep students engaged in the word. Also use stories and personal experiences to help bridge the gap between you and them. Your personal stories will capture their attention. Number five, make time in your classroom for fellowship and connecting before you teach your lesson. So this will apply to any classroom setting. A lot of times we save the fellowship for after class. But in our youth group, the first 15 minutes of every youth class is coffee, food, and fellowship. This is not time wasted. Because if you take time to connect with your students and show them that you care, they will be more receptive to what you have to say. Making time for this before you teach will change the whole dynamic of your youth class or your P7 club or your campus ministry or, or your any classroom setting where you're teaching. In ministry, it is never wise to teach to a group of students that you haven't connected with on a personal level. This is why some of the greatest camp speakers come in and they're out there talking to people, they're speaking to people, they're connecting with people because they know if they can make a personal connection, first of all, they care about you. And secondly, they want you to hear what God has given them to say. Number six, use visual illustrations. This doesn't have to be complex. Simple is better. Just something to help them remember what you taught on that day. Um, I just recently did something like this. I taught on guidelines and I was talking about outward holiness and I had a rope that was tied to the back of the classroom and it reached all the way up and I held that rope in my hand the whole time I was teaching to give a visual example that what you are tied to is important because it can lead you and guide the way and if you get lost, you can grab that guideline and it'll bring you back home. Simple visuals like that will go a long 
way. I want to pray over you today, and I want to pray over every leader. Maybe you're experiencing burnout right now, and you feel like you're a failure because you've run out of things to say. My friends, that's the enemy speaking to you. That's not God. You have much more to say. Your voice is very valuable. Everybody experiences burnout. Don't be hard on yourself about that. Get back to the well and find where your power and your source comes from. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to speak to these amazing listeners today. God, on the podcast today, I want to pray specifically for leaders, those that bear the burden and the weight of leading others. Lord, some are the leaders and some are working on a team. They serve on a leadership team and they're accountable to other leaders. God, would you encourage them right now? Would you speak the word to them? Bring them back to the well, to the power source. Give us something new to say. Give us something fresh, God, that's from the well for the people that you have called us to minister to. We'll be sure to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you so much. I've really enjoyed unpacking this with you today, and I hope that this has been a blessing to you. If anything in this episode has helped you, why don't you share it with another leader? Click the share button and text this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast to a a friend that maybe needs some help. Maybe you know somebody right now that's been texting you or calling you and telling you that they're a little burnt out. Maybe you could send this to them today and bless them. I love you. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Noteworthy Podcast. God bless.